0: Hello everyone and welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where it is our desire and mission to help you find and follow Jesus. Today's message is from our brand new sermon series, My Shepherd. In this study, we are going through the familiar passage of Psalm 23 and rediscovering David's declaration, The Lord is my Shepherd. This statement relays a total dependency on Jesus as our shepherd, guide, and Lord over our lives. We're focusing on the truth that God is a personal God and He wants to be your shepherd. And as a result of His ownership, we can follow Him boldly and rest confidently in His care. There is a desire for true rest, the ability to live our lives with peace, or you would even look at it this way, being satisfied. Now here's the great thing. That is certainly one of the things that we all need. But the great thing is that as Christians who follow God, who is the creator of all things, the one who in fact created you, we have a heavenly father who loves us and knows us enough that he's actually given us the answer to live a satisfied life. And that really is what Psalm 23 is all about. Psalm 23 is about finding rest and contentment and satisfaction in the only one, that's capital O-N-E, the only one who is able to actually provide it for us, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can give you that rest and that satisfaction that you desire. Now, if you've been following along the last couple of weeks, and if you're behind on the series, you can check it out on YouTube, you can check it out on our podcast, of course, and get caught up. But we've looked at Psalm chapter 23 and verse number one, where it tells us that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And here we discovered, just to give you a brief overview, we discovered that God is our great and our good shepherd. That means he is the source of all things that are good, including the question about our eternity. Our God is an eternal God. He is almighty. And here's the great thing. You, like David, can claim him as your shepherd. Here's the great thing, is that you, like notice David here in this verse. He's not, he's not timid about it at all. At all. He's, like, he's very direct. He says, he is my shepherd. And the point that we've understood these last few weeks is that we can say with ease and confidence, like King David, that Jesus is, in fact, our shepherd. Now, last week we saw how when you do claim him as your shepherd... When you can say that the Lord is my shepherd, uh, that, that I'm saved, that I know that heaven is my home, I know that God is my God. When you can say that he is my shepherd, what that does is it opens the door for you to then say, I shall not want. So once he is yours and once you declare him as yours and once you submit yourself to him, then you can say, I don't need anything else. And that's what it means. There's nothing else in this life that can satisfy like our God. And so we pursue him. We looked at Psalm 37 and verse 4 last week where it says, to delight yourselves also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And when we delight in God, when we make him the center of our universe, the deepest needs of your heart and the deepest needs of your soul can be met because the deepest need that any one of us has is a relationship with Christ. And that's the wonderful thing. We misinterpret this verse sometimes. We talked about it last week. We misinterpret it to think that if I, if I pursue God and I love God, then he's going to give me everything I want. No, if I pursue God and I make him the center of everything, then I truly will be fulfilled because he is all that I need. He's all that I need. And so we can say that today, because he is my shepherd, I shall not want Then, And that is the secret to true contentment. And it's what sets us apart as believers. If you want to stand out as, a, as an individual at your workplace, if you want to be a testimony and have a witness to your, uh, your unsaved family members, one of the greatest ways you can do that is live in contentment that the Lord is your Savior. Live in contentment that he is your shepherd and that you shall not want. When you do that, people take notice because we live in a chaotic world. We live in a, we live in a time where uh, people are just, man, just struggling. Everywhere you look, you're struggling. Like yesterday, I had the opportunity to... Um, I get out and play golf, and I love playing golf, and and one of the things I love about it is that I don't know anybody who really plays golf, so guess who I play golf with? Strangers, (laughs) complete strangers, and uh, yesterday, it was so hot, I thought maybe there's a chance I could get out and play, so yesterday afternoon, I went out and played for a bit, and I was paired up with a couple of guys, and the guy that uh, just sort of talked to me the most, you know, he's an older guy, he's semi-retired, he seems to have everything going on, he's got a boat, and he plays golf whenever he wants, you know, and he's got all this stuff, but man, was he an unhappy guy. Man, he was an unhappy person. It just just flowed out of him. You just feel a discontent. You can probably sense that in your coworkers, in people that you're around, in family members. There's just this discontentedness that just flows out of them. And it's because they're still seeking peace. They're still seeking that true contentment that Christians really can understand in a great way. But the problem is, as Christians, we don't often avail ourselves of that, do we? We know that he's out there. We know that uh, God wants to be our full contentment, but we don't uh, truly commit ourselves to him in that way. And so he says here, if you're going to be, if I'm going to be your shepherd, then I can bring you contentment. And it's because Christ is our shepherd. But now we're going to continue in the passage. Some of you are like, are we ever going to get out of verse number one? We are today as we look at verse number two, (laughs) verse number two. So David's going to take this theme of contentment and this theme of satisfaction in Christ. And he's going to take it to an even deeper level as he describes for us how it is possible for you and for me to experience that rest that I talked about, that true rest, how it is actually possible to experience that rest in Christ. And he does it by staying true to the shepherd and sheep narrative that he introduced in verse number one. So let's go to verse number two. He says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We're in this context. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. He says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. So when we make God as the center of our life, when he becomes the source of our full dependence and our full uh, confidence and our full contentment, it is then that we can experience the completeness of his provision. Now, David here is illustrating it very well for us as he describes how God cares for his sheep. And notice what he says here, he cares for us by leading us to green pastures and leading us or making us to lie down in green pastures and leading us then beside still waters. Now, at first glance, if you just look at it for face value, uh, that doesn't seem like the answer to rest for satisfaction or the answer for uh, satisfaction and rest, does it? I mean, it's fun to hang out in a park, right? I mean, it's nice to take a nap under a tree and there's some nice grass, right? That's a nice thing. It's nice to go to the lake <laughs> and experience uh, maybe a, a cool breeze coming off of the lake, and you look at that and you say, "Well, that doesn't seem uh, like the answer to everything." Is he just talking about a physical thing? No, of course not. He's talking about a spiritual application. But to help us understand that, we still need to remember that uh, uh, we need to remember that um, th- there's a there's a unique understanding about the concept of shepherd and sheep. In, uh, in some 2,000 years ago, actually 2,000 years plus when David wrote this, to help us understand the unique needs of the sheep and how the shepherd is the one who can provide it. So I want to go back with us again as we describe sheep and shepherds, which is something so foreign to us. That's not something very common. I don't know any shepherds out there today. Um, <laughs> maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you bought some sheep since we started this series. That would be great. I'm looking to rent one in case you got some there. But uh, I want us to understand really what David was trying to get at and the the impact of these verses. And so we're going to dig into it. Now, there's a book that's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And this book is really powerful. It's written by a guy named Philip Keller. He grew up in East Africa and he grew up around nomadic and local shepherds there in the area that he grew up in. And as well, when he moved to the U.S. and came to the United States, he made his living as a shepherd in the U.S. before becoming a pastor of a church. So I think if there's anybody who understands the concept of an Eastern shepherd and the relationship between their sheep and then, of course, himself being a shepherd, it would be him. And his insights to this passage are really, really incredible. And uh, in my research for this series, every time I preach a series, um, I do a lot of research. I I have a lot of books and resources that I gather. And then I call some trusted friends of mine and I say, hey, I'm preaching on this passage. Have you ever preached on it before? You know, what do you recommend? Every person I talked to when I said I'm going to preach on Psalm 23, they all said this, get A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. That's the best book uh, that can help you understand it. And so the reason I share that with you is that, Philip Keller, he brings, and if you want to get the book and read it, you'll see I'm going to use a lot of his uh, ideas and insights in helping us understand this passage. But specifically, verse number two, I found his thought process really helpful for us. Because if you think about it, in this verse, it's a very picturesque thought, isn't it? I mean, you think about, you know, some sheep just sort of chilling in a nice green pasture, and, uh, and it looks so picturesque. And, they, you know, sheep always look clean in photos, by the way. If you ever get up close, they don't look all that clean. And, uh, you know, it's just this picturesque idea. And we think of this new and this tender grass and this calm, fresh water source and sheep just sort of resting contentedly. And to us, we, we look at this and we kind of, in our mind's eye, we see the verse and it doesn't seem like that big of a, a deal at all. But as I was reading this book, I was understanding that to sheep, this idea of, of resting and laying down in green pastures and being beside still waters is actually something that's not native to sheep uh, psyche at all. It's really interesting. See, sheep are, uh, besides the fact of being dumb, we've, we've made that pretty clear in our study, they're not very smart. But besides that, sheep have a very unsettled, restless, nervous nature. Maybe some of you have the same thing, you know? You're always kind of nervous. You're always sort of, you're on edge a little bit. And sheep are that way. And, and, and the picture here that David is giving to us of sheep laying down in green pastures is actually not natural to them at all. They're typically always moving. They're always alert. They're always, um, uh, they're, they're always uh, kind of just feeling unrested. It is not something that is natural to them. And so when David gives us this restful, satisfied scene of these sheep, I want you to understand that it's only possible through the effort of the shepherd. So this picture of of sheep laying down in green pastures and going to cool waters and, and, and still waters is only possible because of the shepherd's effort. Because if a sheep feels any kind of danger, if they feel uncomfortable, if they feel nervous, it will not lie down and rest. If a sheep has a has a, a bottle fly in its ear or in its nose, which is really gross, by the way, I've done some deep dive studies into sheep and it's just not it's not great. Did you know that they spray them down with chemicals? And they have this thing called a sheep dip. You ever heard of that before? Where they run them through this chemical Oh, it's gross. It's so gross. Anyway, because they get ticks on them and they get all these bugs and flies. And and if they're irritated, they'll run for a bush and try to get these flies off of them. And they're always on the move. They're always uh, just, it's it's just a really messy time. Did you know that sheep don't like to drink out of water that's moving too fast? If the water's moving too fast, they won't even drink at all. And so they're so nervous. They're so anxious. They're so anxious. And, uh, and what we're seeing here is he's saying that, listen, if, if, if we're going to actually experience this scene of rest and calm that we see in this verse, it's only going to be come because the shepherd makes it possible. I was trying to think of a way to illustrate it. I think the difference is, is, is between going on vacation on a budget and being able to afford an all-inclusive resort. You understand the difference? All of us, how many of you have been on vacation on a budget before, you know? And you're like, we gotta be very careful, right? So you stay in like, you know, some like distant aunt's timeshare, you know, that she forgot she had and, you know, it cost you 150 bucks for a week. And, you know, you're like, great, we got this place and it's not that nice when you get there and it's kind of like, yeah, it's okay, you know? And then the first stop is like, where's a Walmart or where's a superstore? And you go and you buy food and you get in there and you're going through it, looking for all the pots and pans because you gotta cook every meal yourself because you're starting to save money, okay? Okay, maybe I'm the only one on a vacation like this, you know. I'm trying to save money and, and I'm looking around and, and, uh, and, you know, we have a, such a schedule and we have to hit this certain schedule because we found this discount code online, but it only works on Tuesday mornings between 6 and 7 a.m. if you go. And, you know, and so you're like, I've got all these, these ways to have this cheap vacation and you're kind of nervous about it. I don't know if it's going to work out. And you're always thinking about the money and you're, you're worried and you're concerned. And then there's the all-inclusive resort. I've never done this, by the way, but I have heard it's great where you just show up. You've, you literally land at the airport and there's a shuttle that picks you up. I have some friends who went to a sandals resort in St. Lucia, you know? I went to St. Lucia on a missions trip. They went to a sandals resort, <laughs> all inclusive, you know? And they pick you up at the airport and they shuttle you there and here's your room. They know your names. Your name's on the TV when you walk in there, you know? And, and they have uh, treats laid out on the bed and pillows for you. And they say, what would you like to do while you're here? Oh, I think I wanna go you know, kiteboarding and I think I wanna go scuba diving. And they, do, okay, and they schedule it all for you. It's all included. Every meal is included. Everything, do you know what? You can really relax on a vacation like that can't you I want to go on one like that I got to talk to Jeanette about it but that that's the difference the other one like yeah you're on vacation but are you really resting and you're doing all this stuff you're nervous about money you're panicked you know you don't even want to rent a car so you take public transit which is terrible in other places except for Vancouver you know and uh and and then there's the all I mean everything's taken care of there's people that you know come and just say hey is there anything you need while you're sitting there at the beach right that's the idea that we see here. They're, the sheep aren't naturally restful, but the only way that they get to this position that we see here, this calm, relaxed rest, is if the shepherd takes care of it for them. Now this morning, I want us to understand that the only way you and I can truly find rest, the only way that you and I can find satisfaction in this life is by following our good shepherd and allowing the good shepherd to take care of what would keep us from resting in him. All of us have aspects and things in our life that keep us from resting in our Savior. And so to help us understand it today, we're gonna look at three areas in the life of a sheep that keep a sheep from resting, that keep a sheep from getting to this position here. They are hindrances to them finding rest. And what we're gonna see is that they're also true of us those of us who are God's people, as Psalm 100 says, the sheep of his pasture. And what we're gonna see this morning is that it is the shepherd, our God, who wants to alleviate your anxiety, alleviate your struggle, so that you can find rest in your faith and develop your impact for him. So we're back at verse number two. It says that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside the still waters. The first aspect or the first area that we need to give to God that we need to allow him to take from us so that we can find rest and like I said with sheep they will not rest unless there is freedom from fear unless there's freedom from fear if you're writing notes you can write that down today like I mentioned sheep are timid and they're very easily panicked it does not take a lot it could take a bunny rabbit running out from behind a bush to stampede a whole herd of sheep a flock of sheep not a herd right a flock of sheep in the book that I was reading, uh, he says, he talks about a time when he, he was a shepherd and he had about 200 sheep or so at this time and he had a flock that was near his place and they invited some friends over for dinner and their friends because they're like, oh, they live in a ranch, they brought their dog. And it was like one of those little tiny dogs you like put in a handbag, you know? You ever seen those? <laughs> some of you have one like that, you know? Here's my dog, right? And uh, this little dog, and as soon as they got to their house, they opened the door and this little dog jumped out and he says that all 200 sheep immediately stood up and they stampeded and they just took off. Sheep, when they are afraid, will run. They will just run until they feel safe. I don't know how else to put it. Fear is something that keeps them truly from resting. Even if there's the slightest suspicion of danger from a dog or a wolf or a coyote or another enemy, the sheep will remain on their feet, always looking around, ready to flee for their lives because they do not have a means of self-defense. The only thing they have when there's danger is that they can run. But there is one thing. There's one thing that will bring quiet to the sheep. You know what that is? It's the presence of the shepherd. The presence of the shepherd. It is the only thing that will bring peace to them. Their fears are not relieved by the removal of the danger. There might still be danger in the area, but their fears are removed by the presence of the one who owns them, who cares for them, who leads them. So what can we understand for ourselves and we make this a spiritual application I think it's pretty clear the world that we live in is a scary world isn't it and there's a lot of danger some of you have faced some temptations and dangers this week that would scare me if I knew what it was there's experiences there's people there's circumstances that are terrifying they're terrifying. Man, we've just come through, you know, a, a time of disease. I say we come through it. We're, we're trying to find some more diseases, right? There's uh, recessions. There's tensions in uh, the news. There's uh, heat waves, right? Well, when I was a kid, we called it a hot summer day, right? But now it's like heat wave, right? And they're naming them now. I think it's Zoe. This is Heat Wave Zoe. Isn't that great? I don't know why they started there, but anyway. Now it's a heat wave. And there's always this fear. I mean, obviously we know fear sells, right? Fear sells. It sells ad space. It sells the news. But if you were just to listen to the world around us, I mean, there's a lot to be afraid of, isn't there? There's a lot to be terrified of. There's a lot of things that you can be concerned about. Uh, about. Uh, besides that, all of the personal things, the great what-ifs of life. What if I, you know, have a debilitating uh, accident or disease? What if uh, my marriage has difficulties? What if I don't find somebody to marry me? What if I lose my job? What if uh, m- what if something doesn't uh, happen uh, that I need to happen? What if my kids don't do the right thing? You know, what if my car breaks down? I, I can't handle that right now. We think of all of these things, all of these what-ifs of life, and all of these uncertainties that fill our minds and fill our, our hearts. And off Oftentimes, Christians, we end up just living on edge, always ready to bolt, always ready to run at the first sign of danger. The smallest event, the smallest threat, even in our own minds, sends us in a spiritual spiral away from the Lord. And you know what it does? It leads us exhausted and drained. Some of you have lived the Christian life exhausted and drained. And you're like, what's going on? Why, why do I feel like this? Why, why are things not how I think they should be? And you're restless. But I want you to know, that's not God's plan for the believer. In John 16, verse 33, it says, These things have I spoken unto you. Jesus says that in me, so in him, you would have peace. He says, In the world, you have tribulation, of course. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Here's the thing. The world is not going to change. Did you know that? If, if, if you're living your life hopeful for some like utopia on this earth, it's not going to happen. It's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. It's going to continue to go downhill. There's always going to be trials and always going to be dangers. Life is not going to be easy. Whether you got tons of money or no money at all or everything figured out or nothing figured out, life is not going to be easy. There are always challenges but the point is is that with Jesus as our great shepherd and in his abiding presence no matter what is going on around us we can find his rest and peace for our souls because it's in his presence yes there's still danger all around us but in his presence that brings a subtleness to our soul that is why we must keep looking to Jesus so I want to ask you this morning what are you afraid of right now what fear is in your mind what danger is in your life What uncertainty are you struggling with? Maybe you're simply just struggling with the consistency of bad news all the time. All the time. By the way, you can turn off notifications and not watch the news. Did you know that? It is actually possible. (laughs) Or read the newspaper, right? Some of you, I don't know if you do that or not. But what is it in your life that is bringing you discomfort and, and worry? Maybe it's a medical problem, family stress, difficulties at work, at school, and your family. Listen, I wonder, have you taken time to develop your relationship with the shepherd? Is he even in the picture of your life? Is your mind stayed on him? See, we must go beyond just a head knowledge and it must come and return to a place of faith where we have an understanding that with all of our heart that he is with us at all times and all difficulties, that God wants to give you hope instead of your fear. And really what it takes is a change of focus. See, for the sheep, when they see that shepherd and he comes, they're able to calm down because they know that he's going to protect them. But for, for many of us, in life's difficulties and turmoil, the first thing we do is we run to fear rather to, than to our faith. So I want to challenge you that when you're in the face of a difficulty, see that God is there with you. He promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. That means he will be with you. So when you're in that trial and you're in that uncertainty and you're in that struggle, I want you to know today that he is with you like he was with those uh, young men in the fiery furnace. God is with you today and he's there. But you must recognize his presence and seek his presence and pursue his presence in your life. And that can help abate all that fear that you're struggling with. It's so interesting when you change your focus When you take a certain circumstance that is just rolling in your mind over and over and you're fearful and you're terrified and you're worried and you simply add God into the equation and the fact that he is able to uh, do above what you could ask or think and that he's able to take care of those things, if you just add him to the equation, it's so interesting how those fears and difficulties simply abate and begin to change knowing that he loves me, that he knows my name, that he knows every detail of my life suddenly things can begin to change. We don't become so desperate as we were before. Our our, our, uh, outlook changes and there's hope. I'm comforted then in my fear. And you know what? You can then rest in him. And so if we're going to find true rest, there has to be a freedom from fear. And we return to the sheep example for another point here. And I just want to mention real quickly 2 Timothy 1.7. A familiar verse on this, that God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God wants for you. God's desire is not that you would live your days in fear. He wants you to live completely different than this world. And that's what God has for you. So there's freedom from fear. But secondly, for sheep to find rest, there must be freedom from conflict Freedom from conflict. Now, it might surprise you, but sheep are very disagreeable creatures. Very disagreeable creatures. It's not uncommon for uh, within, a, within a, a, a sheep flock that there's typically one smart and domineering old you, which is a female sheep. There's typically one in every single flock that is kind of like the boss, you know, She's the one who controls everything, and the way that she maintains her power is by headbutting the other sheep. I was looking for some video, but <laughs> it was too graphic. <laughs> I couldn't show it in, uh, with kids in the room. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. But that's what they do. And so, if another sheep uh, is uh, is is in their spot where they think they should be, a shaded spot or where there's some good grass, they will sort of walk over to it and sort of raise up and just headbutt it until it moves. And what's crazy about it is that it, they begin to develop this sort of social order within the, the flock of sheep. You know, with, the, with chickens, they call it what, the pecking order, right? With sheep, is the budding order. You know, like who's, who's at the top? And, and, and what happens is that because of that, there, there begins this like, um, it's like a process where there's the top sheep, the top, <laughs> top head butter. And then the ones that, that she dominates will do the same to the other sheep and so on down the line, and they kind of create this order here, but what happens is that it creates rivalry, it creates tension, it creates nervousness, because the sheep are still all of those things, and so whenever there's that going on, the sheep do not rest, because they're always worried about getting smacked, they're always worried about getting uh, head-butted, and so they're always on the alert, where is she, right, like, where, where is, they're always looking around, you know, and they want to know where, where she's at because they've got to be ready to defend their position or maybe leave their position. They can't really rest because she's going to come and make sure they're not resting anymore. There's always this challenge. And it creates continuous conflict and jealousy within a flock. And what happens is that it's very detrimental to the health of the flock. They're edgy, restless, uh, tense. They're discontent. They begin to be irritable. They lose weight, which is not great. <laughs> it's good for us. It's not great if, uh, if for the sheep. But there's only one solution. You know what that, that solution is? It's again, it's the presence of the shepherd. Uh, Philip Keller in his book, he said this, he said, one point that always interested me very much was that whenever I came into view and my presence attracted the attention of the sheep, they quickly forgot their foolish rivalries and they stopped their fighting. The shepherd's presence made all the difference in their behavior. Now, we don't want to admit it, but in all of us, there's some of that top you mentality. The top head butter mentality in all of us. We desire to be the top sheep. (laughs) We all want to be the best. We all want to be known as the best. We push others aside. We may even push them out of our territory. And in the process, what happens in our lives is that people get hurt. And if not controlled, the entire flock is left in an upset state and no one is resting. And that's a contrast from relaxing in green pastures. Now, sadly, among the people of God, sometimes there is friction. There's friction sometimes. And until it is dealt with, again, there is no rest. Remember what Jesus said. He said that it is inevitable that offenses will come. Do you remember that? He said, it is for sure. Like, mark it down. Offenses will come, definitely. The question is, is how will you respond? When that offense comes from maybe someone even within our local body here, what are you going to do? Are you going to fight back? Are you going to try to demean and devalue that other person. Now, I just want to say, I understand that we have all grown up in different circumstances. I know that some of you have grown up in some really rough, difficult backgrounds where you had to basically fight for everything that you have today. And you know what that creates is it sometimes creates a real edginess to you. You know what I'm talking about? There's some people, and, and maybe you struggle with this, that as soon as there's, you even think or have a hint that maybe somebody doesn't think you're the greatest, you get really offensive, defensive, and then offensive. And it really, it really gets at you. I know, I know some pastors like this, and it's really sad. I, I know some pastors that if somebody doesn't agree with them in one thing, they either they either leave the church <laughs> themselves or they make sure that they leave the church, the person who doesn't agree with them, in, in, in every possible way. And they've created sort of this environment of edginess of, no, it's got to be my way or no one, no one else, you know, and, and anytime there's a chance of offense or friction, it's just this, it's this big issue. Listen, that kind of friction in a family, in a relationship, and within a church, it's not healthy. It does not foster an environment of rest. So how can it be solved? How can friction be solved within and within the flock of God? Well, the answer is, like we already said, it's the presence of the what? Say it with me. Shepherd. I know it's hot. Remember, we identified that at the beginning. (laughs) The shepherd. (laughs) It's the shepherd. That's right. It is the shepherd. I think of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 where he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is the idea here. In the presence of the shepherd, there is not conflict, but there is unity. There is unity. There is unity. See, if we leave God out of the picture, we'll always find a justifiable reason to be irritated with somebody or to criticize somebody else. You will find a reason. Families and churches have friction if they can't, and, they, and you will not be able to rest when there's concern that somebody might come after you at any moment. So if we want rest, if we want to lie down in green pastures, then we must deal with our friction. Not by making everybody perfect. Of course not. But by living consciously in the presence of the Savior. Learning to give each other the benefit of the doubt. One of the best things you can do in your life is that when somebody maybe says something or does something that hurts you or bothers you, one of the best things you can do is say, you know what, they probably didn't mean it like that. And then you can move on. But if you stew on it and you think about it and you stir, man, it creates so much contention and difficulty. And you will not find rest. If your entire life is trying to defend yourself, if your entire life is trying to prove that you're something greater than, I don't know, whatever you've created in your own mind. And by the way, that's where it starts. That pride that just builds up. You will never be at rest because you'll always be trying to prove something. So you'll never be at rest. So what do we do with that? We need to remember the presence of the shepherd. We need to remember God's calls to unity, that God wants us to be unified together. And so when that happens, guess what we do? We forgive. We move on. We allow it to pass. If there is a scriptural uh, issue and you genuinely are offended and they have offended you, then you need to follow Matthew 18 and go to that person and talk with them one-on-one first. If they will not hear you, then you bring someone from the church. You bring one of our leadership or myself, and we again go to them, and we talk about that offense. And then if they still will not repent of that offense, and it's been verified, and it's a real offense, then we will bring it before the church. And if they still will not repent and make things right before the church, then we will have to ask them to leave the membership of the church. You say, whoa, that's a big deal, pastor. That never, I'll tell you this, it rarely gets to that point. If someone would just follow the first step of Matthew 18, which is go to that person and say, hey, you offended me. Let's make things right. Some of you are still holding onto things from past church experiences, past people that mistreated you. And because you're holding onto it and it ruminates in your mind and in your heart and you're letting it build up, you don't have any rest. You don't have any rest. The first thing you can do is forgive. Remember, you cannot control other people's actions. You can only control your what? Reactions. I tell that to our boys, I think every day. (laughs) Every day, I think that's a conversational point. And it's so needed because there will not be rest if there is contention. And so the shepherd helps remove that contention. Keller said this, when my eyes are on the master, they're not on those around me. This is the place of peace. That's the point. Get your eyes on the Lord. Focus on him. Offenses will come, but if you're focused on Jesus, man, things just sort of roll off you. It's a great way to live. You can just rest. You just be calm. It doesn't mean you won't get hurt. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges, but you can simply rest in our Savior. Let's quickly look at the final one here. For the sheep, there's freedom from hunger. I'm going to move quickly now. Another area that the shepherd takes care of the sheep is providing for them a good place to find food. You know, it is impossible for sheep to lie down and rest if they're hungry. They'll always be looking for that next bite. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're always searching for it. They're always going for it. And so if they're, if they're hungry, they're not gonna lie down and rest. So we see this picture here of them resting, being satisfied by the waters and being satisfied by the grass. But here's the interesting thing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but most places where shepherding takes place, it's in very dry and desert areas. David in Bethlehem is a very dry and deserty place. And so you, it brings up the question well, if they're in this deserty area, where are these pastures? Where are these great places that are taking place where the sheep are being satisfied and their, their hunger is so satisfied that they can sit down and chew the cud and, and, uh, and, and be able to do that? Where is this happening? Well, here's, here's something that's so interesting. Again, it only happens if the shepherd puts in the work to create the pastures. This is a really interesting thing. So shepherds in that day, and David would have been very familiar with this, if there was gonna be a place of real pasture, of fresh grass, of well-watered grass, they would have to create the space for that to happen. They'd have to take a field that they could irrigate properly. They'd have to pull out the rocks and pull out the weeds and seed it properly with the right kind of grass and food for the sheep. They would have to tend to that field just like they tended for their sheep so that they could actually have a place to lead their sheep to, so they could eat and have their fill and be satisfied so that they could then rest. That's so interesting. Now for us, the spiritual application is the fact that we have that same resource for a satisfaction to our spiritual hunger. And that of course is the word of God. And it's so simple, right? So simple. It's the word of God that has been given to us Jesus said in Matthew 4, when speaking to Satan while being tempted, he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, and we today, we have the word of God, and it is rich with all the nutrients that your spirit needs. But many of us do not take advantage of his provision. And so rather than resting in green pastures where we can be satisfied and the still waters of his word, we roam about and we look for satisfaction, we look for fulfillment in so many places, and yet Jesus has provided the place for us. He says, I want you to come boldly before the throne of grace. I want you to pray. Uh, you can come directly to me. I want you to read my word. I want you to know uh, that everything that is in here is for your, glo- for your benefit and for the glory of God. And you can find everything that you need to be fully satisfied in him. But often as foolish sheep, we do not grace here. We need to be led to it. And so today is one of those leading moments. I say, hey, this is where we need to go. So if you're searching for rest and for satisfaction for your soul, the answer is found in the Word of God. And we need to let God clear out those stones of unbelief in our life. We need to let Him to pull out those roots of bitterness, break up the hard ground of pride so that He can plant the seeds of faith through His Word in our hearts. And if you would do that, you have an opportunity for it to grow and produce rich fields of contentment and peace in your life. You know, the moments of my life that have been so difficult, I found the most peace in the word of God, and in prayer. Those of you that have been through extremely difficult and challenging circumstances, you would say the same thing. I found my peace and my hope and my joy in the word. So why don't we go there more? Why do we only go there when it's really hard? (laughs) Why do we wait for that? He says, this is the place of satisfaction. This is the place of rest. And I want you to understand today, all of this is for the purpose of growth. All of this is for thriving. See, when a sheep is rested, when it's well hydrated, when it is uh, completely satisfied and it is resting, do you know what's happening? It is producing. You say, what are you talking about? Those that have baby lambs that they need to feed, they're producing milk. If they're pregnant, they're being healthy. If they, uh, if they are, um, uh, of course, their wool grows strong and thick. It was really interesting. Uh, in, in his book, he mentioned how he had a field like this that was just well watered and taken care of. And he said, on that field he experienced baby lambs being born and being over a hundred pounds in a hundred days. And he said that was the difference of a of an old deserty field that they're digging around in and having the right kind of nourishment. So the point being that all of this, anytime a sheep is at rest, they are their most productive. And for us as believers, We are the most productive for the gospel. We are the most useful for the glory of God when we learn to rest in our Savior. That is when we are growing. That is when we are uh, producing and being productive for the sake of the gospel. Because that's what God desires for us. Did you know that? God desires that you be a willing vessel, that you be used for his glory. And so that happens as we are completely at rest. And this is the great love of our Savior. He is providing for us everything that we need to find rest and peace. And here's the great thing. As his sheep, we don't have to forage for it. He says, here it is. Here it is. I can take away those things that make you nervous. I can take away those things that cause you to miss out. And he has supplied those green pastures and still waters so that we might find peace and rest in him and in him alone. We hope that today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will for your life.